Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one audio source for Harry Potter news, theories, discussion, as well as info straight from the makers of the books and films themselves, like me, Matt Lewis. I play Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films, and I'm very happy to be here helping introduce your hosts, the Pottercast trio, Melissa, John, and Sue. Welcome to Pottercast 74. Yes! Yay! 74! I've been looking forward to this one all week. I'm listening. I'm here with John and Sue. As always, in this show, we'll talk to an author who many think writes like J.K. Rowling. Mm. Interesting. His name is Fergus McGee. We'll see if that's true. We'll also do our canon conundrums about what Snape's Patronus and Boggart might be. Shampoo? Mm. Was shampoo involved? No. Well, shampoo, shampoo is all better. All those things. Mm. But before we do anything, let's hear from our people at Borders. Today's Pottercast is brought to you by Borders. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is coming soon. But when? Click on the Borders banner at the top of Pottercast.com homepage. Sign up and you'll be among the first to learn the release date of the final book in the series. You can also reserve your copy of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows at any Borders store. Find a store near you at BordersStores.com. And we're back. And announcements this week. Vote for us at Podcast Alley. Dig us at digg.com. Link in the show notes. We're going to be at Phoenix Rising, the convention in New Orleans and on May 17th. You can yes. go to it by signing up for the convention at thephoenixrises.org. We'll also be presenting two panels at Phoenix Rising. We think more on that later. We're going through it fast this week because we got a lot to get to. So we're going to roll so right much. into this week's news with Sue's. Well, we do have a bit of news again about Laura Mallory, the woman from Georgia who is continuing in her attempts to have the Harry Potter novels removed from school shelves and who has now written an op-ed piece in an Atlanta newspaper. Miss Mallory says she will not give up in her quest and says she is not alone in her stances as she claims there are, quote, hundreds, even thousands of other parents who have stood up against the Harry Potter series and its paganization of this generation, end quote. She continues on to say that her relentless pursuit of the beloved series, quote, It has not been an easy path to take, but one in which I know I must not quit. God has been with me, answering specific prayers and reassuring me of his will and his word, end quote. You can read all of Laura Mallory's comments by clicking on leakynews.com for much more. Well, in other book news now, several thousand Harry Potter books were stolen from Recycling Center in the country of Wales last week. Missing were copies of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Quidditch Through the Ages, the two Harry Potter school books that J.K. Rowling wrote for charity several years ago. No culprit in this theft has been caught as of yet, and police are asking for your help. These two Harry Potter books have raised millions of dollars in the past for the comic relief charity. Speaking of the books, there was an interesting survey conducted in the UK recently where up to a third of all respondents admitted lying about reading certain books, including one Harry Potter novel. One in 20 men even said they would lie about having read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone so they would appear as if they were in touch with the latest trends. Okay. (laughs) In film news now, we saw a new interview with actress Ivana Lynch that appears in the new issue of Disney Adventures magazine, where she talks about her audition for the role of Luna Lovegood. Ivana says, quote, I really wanted to go because if I didn't, I never would have known and I would have been annoyed with myself. They had to pick someone, so why couldn't I have a go? 
It's like in the script when Harry's trying to encourage some of the students to be in Dumbledore's army. He says, Think of all the great wizards in history, and if they can do it, why can't we? It was kind of like that. End quote. Yay, Ivana, you go, girl. You can see the scan of this entire interview in our galleries. Finally, congratulations are in order for Prisoner of Azkaban director Alfonso Cuaron, whose latest film, Children of Men, received multiple nominations for this year's Academy Awards. Mr. Cuaron was nominated personally in the categories of Best Editing and Adapted Screenplay, with the film picking up many other nominations as well. Just terrific. The Academy Awards will be presented in Los Angeles, California on February 25th. Congratulations, Alfonso. Well, for complete information on all things Harry Potter, you can always find more at leakynews.com, which is updated continually. Sorry about my cold, everyone. And back to the show we go. Well, the news, Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. Both good and bad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> good and... We have good news? Good and or repetitive. Good news? <laughs> yeah. Good in the never-ending Laura Mallory news cycle. She just... Don't go know, away. She doesn't. Oh, other things aside, yes. this woman... Does not give up. You gotta, you gotta respect that in some weird way. She probably is a Hufflepuff. Well, no, because she doesn't believe in that kind of thing. Mm. She'd be an unwitting Hufflepuff. She'd be a forced Hufflepuff. Yes. I could just imagine if somebody walked up and called her a Hufflepuff. What would happen? No. Really not. No. I really wish she'd speak to people that might challenge her beliefs. Yeah, I Where do too. Fun that. Yeah, I know you can you can you can either just you know preach out loud to people who agree with you, or you can can really get into it and prove your point if you feel like you have a point to defend. Yep. Her and J.K. Rowling, ten rounds. It'd be fun. Be hilarious. It was interesting to hear from her more about what she's after or what she's she's trying to say that she's doing, but she just kind of defeats her own purpose and I just I mean you try and be fair and you read these things but I just it was very difficult for me to to, to read that article and I would like to hear more from her I, so would I we don't understand and I think it's, I, I think it's a disservice to just put this out there and say Harry Potter's bad Harry Potter's bad to confuse the heck out of kids mm-hmm. who love it if you want to explain your position do so thoroughly there's stuff on her website but it's it's all it's all it's very confusing so there are opportunities to make your platform known. This this article was a step. I think she should make a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> That'd be fun. I don't think she's a big YouTube fan, John. <laughs> she could be. <laughs> hmm. All right. What else should we should we? Discuss? Oh well. Speaking of books, maybe maybe it was I don't know, but I thought this was kind of an amusing story. Here's kind of a lighthearted story that a bunch of Potter books were actually stolen from a recycling center in Wales. That's lighthearted. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I, I was wonder because it's like they're trying to either save them from from I don't know what or it was the Death Eaters I don't know oh like it's they were not. about to go into the chomper and they were yeah. they were saved yeah, yeah. Funny. why don't you recycle First all those of all, books seriously why are those you think of any books in the world that weren't being recycled it would be the Harry Potter books I know and well, I, don't I mean know. it's the little ones the comic relief ones right which have raised literally millions of dollars and they've done a lot of sure. good I, i'm not sure if these are the hardback because i know or these are the paperback and they're out on hardback now i'm not really sure what's happening there i'm i, I didn't quite i haven't been able to figure out what was why they were being recycled yet and i did actually email to find out but haven't heard anything but we'll update you once we find out more awesome but i don't know it just seems kind of <laughs> kind of bizarre story and a little obscure a little place in wales i just thought that was kind of 
you know, interesting. I think it'd be fun to use all those, like, books and just do something cool with them, like wallpaper, like a room in your house, or just staple them all to something. <laughs> like, who else would have that room? The Fantastic Beasts and Creatures room. Maybe it was Grop, your friend Grop. Or somebody, I don't know. Tony Modsley wanted it. Who knows? Tony Modsley would pay for that. Are you kidding? Yeah. Maybe he so. had a huge payday coming. <laughs> Tony Modsley, for those who are listening for the first time, is the actor who's playing <laughs> Grop in the upcoming. Grop. Apparently, he's the new yes. Dollish. Yeah. No. <sighs> no, there's no such thing. Okay. He could no. be on par. So I really like this story about the guys who lie about reading Harry Potter yes. to give the illusion. I thought they would lie about not reading Harry, about having not read Harry Potter so that they would seem cool because there's that, there's that supposition, there's that idea that if you read Harry Potter, you're not cool. Uh-huh. Which well, is we know false. Better, certainly. False because clearly high. I right. think you're only cool if you do read Harry Potter personally. Yep. Yep. I run into people on the streets and... They say, hey, what's going on? I'll be like, hey, do you read Harry Potter? Right off the bat. And they say, no, I just keep on walking. I keep on walking. Serena Williams reads Harry Potter? Yes, she mm-hmm. does. The great tennis champion. She was. She's an excellent tennis player. And that, so it's nice when you, when you see that these famous people are not ashamed of it. My favorite part, though, was that Ben Affleck was reading the adult version. Yes. So he, <laughs> he was trying to be all, he was trying yeah. to be cooler about it, you know? Yeah. And all I saw also read to Harry Potter is the what's the what's the girl's name? A little uh, Dakota Fanning. Well, big I would hope Harry so. Potter fan. And I forget where I saw that, but uh, she was talking about how she cried when uh, when the big D died, hmm. which is sad. Well, but I I was amused at the books that this was part of a survey that had him in the UK, and about the books that they lied about reading that people lie and they say that to make them sound. I don't know if they're more well-read or whatever. They call it challenging literature. And I, I you know. I love how mm. War and Peace is on the same list as Men Are From Wars, Mars, and Men Are From <laughs> Thank Venus. Thank you. I know. It's just like the paradox <laughs> there. I'm like, hello. <laughs> we got The Lord of the Rings, War and Peace, Withering Heights, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, 1984, mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Great Expectations, Jane Eyre, The Da Vinci Code, and The Diary of Anne Frank. Sue, how many have you read on that list? I've actually read everything but Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Aww. I've actually not read that. How many Judy Bloom books were in that every list? Every one of those other ones, though. I've read Lord of the Rings, Wuthering Heights, 1984, Philosopher's Stone, duh. Um, yeah. Jane Eyre, Da Vinci Code, and Diary of Anne Frank. I've not read Great Expectations, War and Peace, or Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. War and Peace, I just... I'm sorry. I read that Men Are From Mars book. Yeah? <laughs> yeah Somehow I'm not you know, surprised. <laughs> I could better myself. You only read the men part, not the women part. Uh-huh. Oh, what the You mean? just said I only I read that Men Are From Mars book. Where's the women part? <laughs> no, I, sorry, I abbreviated the book title, Melissa. Uh, well, you know, it's indicative. It's it's like uh, sometimes a cigar is not a cigar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, here's another fun story. I guess, though, we're too old to enter this, but the BBC, CBBC is running a new show called Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is yes. kind of like a... <laughs> Like a, you know, it's not Hogwarts the reality show that I want, no, but it's. it's <laughs> I shudder to ask, how are they determining? What do you do? I, oh, they put the sorting hat on your head. <laughs> no, but these are these are like children. You're going to go to like an actual like like a boarding school, and I don't know how they selected that. There's contestants, but these children actually go and learn magic. They learn like different spells. I do herbology spells are tricks. 
Well, magic tricks, but they learn like Latin and you know and that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's very <laughs> they very sh- eerily similar. I mean, they can shout Latin phrases and nothing happens. This sounds like yes. something that would give <laughs> Laura Mallory a freaking coronary. That would give her a card. Oh my goodness, she would have an attack. The you know, BBC directly indoctrinating people into witchcraft. Like, no, it's a, it's a magician thing. They learn how to pull things out of hats and take quarters behind your ears. You'll miss the part where the magic doesn't work. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, but they're doing stuff like chemistry yeah. and, and, you know, like card tricks, you know, which are the basics part behind magic. But this is interesting. It said that they're going to learn how to care after the resident magic animals. So I want to know... <laughs> Where exactly? What do they get their hands on? A few flubber worms, perchance? Exactly. Good point, John. I don't know. Magic bunnies. That's it. What's I don't that? know. What's that rabbit? That not tricks are for kids, but what's that rabbit? Then the other way is pulling. I don't know. Um, the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. That's it. I anyway, fun, fun. One more thing. One, one, one more one new story. I kind of John Williams, the great, fabulous composer, said he Aww. he was in an interview recently, and he said he misses scoring the Potter films. I gotta say, I don't really miss him. <gasps> Isn't that terrible? Uh-oh. I think he's awesome. I think what he did was fantastic. But I yeah, really yeah. enjoy seeing all this new stuff come every every with every uh, movie. It's always for the so sake exciting. of it being new, you've loved nothing. every score since then. Yeah, oh, a few you, of like, the tracks you flipped forward. out about the Goblet of Fire score. You couldn't stop talking. A few about of it. them, a few of them, a few of the tracks. Well, few but you tracks. know, I mean, they've they've kept Hedwig's theme, which has become identifiable yeah. with the whole series, and I don't think yeah. that's going to go away. I'm looking forward to Nicholas Hooper. I mm-hmm. believe is his name. Nicholas who will be Hooper. scoring. Yeah, and he works with David Yates. And people are asking, well, why didn't Mr. Williams come back? Well, I think it's just because Mr. Um, David Yates has worked with Mr. Hooper for a long time. That David that, Yates. You no, know, he's. A lot of people are I heard very this, I heard this Hooper him. guy does everything with a, a xylophone. <laughs> all of his composing. <laughs> does he? This will be a very interesting score. I blum, really... Blum, 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 you know, blum. I was almost expecting, like, it's all going to be bagpipes or something obscure, but a xylophone really no, just kind of... Yeah. No, but blum, John Williams, blum, like, blum, blum, not only made, left a fingerprint, he left a big fat handprint on it. I mean, it's his yeah. music echoed sure. throughout the whole score, so we've got that, and that's great, but... By, you know, by the third, I was getting a little antsy, you know? Well, I actually preferred the third score the most. I actually liked that the best out of the three he did, but yeah. um, mm. just because he varied it up a little bit. There's a, there's one track called A Window to the Past, which I think is really just lovely and yeah. right, it's a little bit different, but... I don't know. Yeah. Nothing nothing gets my gears moving than uh, Harry's Wondrous World. Yeah? I'll tell you what. Nothing, nothing makes me more excited. Yeah. That's what I played on on my way to the bookstore to pick up Half Blood Prince. Did you really? In the car. That's cool. Just jamming. It was oh, awesome. But I kind of like Dance with the Hippogriff too, so you know, I, I'll have a goofball. <laughs> I can't wait. That song is probably going to be at this at the, at the Yule Ball of Prophecy. Oh, and I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna make them play it. I'm sure yes. they'll play it a hundred times. We have I'm to sure. go dance with that. That'll be fun. It'll be awesome. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find somebody to crowd surf. All right. Well, let's. Tap dance on on to the next yes next Aww. section of this podcast. Yes, it's time, finally time for our Fergie interview. Fergie, London, London, London. I knew no. you do that. Fergus McGee, not Fergie. Fergus McGee, who's written a book that's getting compared to Harry Potter, apparently. And uh, Doris talks to him about Harry, about his his work, and life as an author, and all that stuff. Very good. 
Take it away, Big D. In the fan corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Not me, not Hermione, you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the fan interview. This is Doris Herman from The Lounge, and I am here with Fergus McGee. Fergus is the author of Beyond the Mist, an awesome action-adventure, hero's journey type of novel that he started writing, believe it or not, when he was 12 years old. It's published, and it's incredible, and it has been called The Next Harry Potter. You can also find his novel in our Cauldron Shop if you want to purchase it and have a read for yourself. Fergus, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's, of course, midday here, and it's really late at night for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fergus, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your novel, yeah. um, mainly because uh, the thing that drew me to it is that I'd heard it called The Next Harry Potter, yeah. and I thought, well, I have to read this. And while it it's nothing like Harry Potter, it has that same excitement, that same level of interest, and that mm-hmm. that ability to really relate to a character and to connect with characters and I think that's one of the things most people will find that they like about your novels um, you're younger than most authors though that's true. and I, I really found it amazing you started this book when you were 12 yeah that's right can you explain exactly how the, the journey of writing your first novel started well I'd, I mean, I'd never really written anything serious um, in my own time before that, although I'd um, always really enjoyed creative writing at school. Um, and I just suddenly felt the urge one day to write, and so I, I jotted down the prologue, which lays the foundations for the story. Um, and, and the prologue is really the one part uh, that survives my own editing process, you know, largely intact. But yeah, from that, from that point on, I came up with the basic plot quite quickly, um, especially the ending. And once you've got an ending, I think, you can work towards it however you however you want, adding bits in here and there. And I just kept adding a few hundred words on every so often, mainly during school holidays, until I actually gave up three quarters of the way through. And I just kind of lost interest, really. Um, but then I, I stumbled across it last year, and I thought, you know, why not complete it? You know, I put all this work into this, so why don't I just finish it off? And so I did. Awesome. I know when I ordered the book, I... I started reading it and I read it completely through in one night. It was it's one of those books that mm. you just don't want to stop reading. And to a large extent it was because of your character Sharon. I really I liked her as a character. She was all of the characters are very well built, very interesting. Their characterization has a lot of depth to it. Mm. How did you come up with her character and is she based on a real person? Well, she's she's a very deep character. She's very determined and inquisitive and and a little shy sometimes um so so she's quite like me in a way i suppose not really intentionally though and not totally um i just i suppose it's quite hard to write about this one person so much without imprinting part of yourself on her but she's not really based on a real person she's very individual really and i think it's probably best when your characters are are like this i mean i know there are some characters I mean, look at David Copperfield. Um, some characters are based on their authors and their lives. But I chose a girl instead of a boy so that it would soften the amount of action going on, I think. 
I mean, it's already very action-packed, and so Sharon acts as a sort of check to that, I suppose. It kind of tones it down a bit, I think. Good. And, um, you know, it's it's such a, it was such a fascinating book. I have to ask you before we go on, are you going to write any other books? Is there a plan? Are you already in the writing? Or well, what's, what's your next step? I had a few ideas. Um, and if you read the book, you'll know there are um, some unexplained references and some loose ends in it. Um, so these could could form parts of sequels, but I don't really have any exact plans yet. I mean, I don't know if it'll be a trilogy, a quadrilogy, or, or whatever. At the moment, I'm just focusing on the next one, really. So I've had a couple of ideas there. One thing, and I, and I want to talk about your characters. I, I found them very interesting. There's a lot of depth to the character. And like J.K. Rowling, you like to take the character's name mm-hmm. and and really use a name that has more depth to it than just your normal, average, everyday name. Yeah. Apnar and... Uh, these are just fascinating names. Where did you get them from? Well, I mean, I just love coming up with names. I'm already drawing up a list of possible names for future books right now, actually. I mean, I like unusual, quirky names, mainly. Um, but many of them do have a lot of significance in them. And I like that underlying meaning in books. If you look more closely, you'll see the, you'll see sort of subtle hints in the names. And I think um, that's one of the great features of Harry Potter, um, all, the, all the meanings behind the names. Um, and there's a lot of meaning behind the names in, in, of my characters, too. I mean, if you look at Sophios, for example, that comes from the Greek for wise, and he's very wise, or, or uh, Stiltitia, from the Latin for stupid, um, and the capital city, Sulla, comes from the Roman emperor, Sulla, too. So there's a lot of classical influences there. Uh, I mean, you can look at Uncle Cyrus. Uh, his, he's quite a bumbling old chap, so his head's always up in the clouds, and Cyrus is a type of cloud, so... I mean, I can't deny that some of them just come straight off the top of my head, like um, like Apnar and his father, Nogard. They just sort of came to me, really. Mm-hmm. Well, Sharon falls into what she thinks is another world, and I don't want to mm. go into a lot of detail about anything that might give spoilers away to the book, but this world has its own vocabulary, like septe, which is a week, or mm. um, you know, other things. Did you think of those as you wrote? Did you, in advance, say, okay, I'm going to call this this? How does that happen? Well, quite often I think of lots of alternative words that we could use to describe things. And I love coining my own words. I remember in my first year at senior school, my English teacher um, told me off for making up my own word and using it in a piece of writing. And I think, um, I mean, it's, it's because I took Latin. And so I loved using the Latin to make English words. Um, and I think the word was um, collidial, yeah, from the Latin calidus, which means clever. I said something like, he made a, a collidial leap, meaning he made a skillful, cunning leap, you know. And I mean, Shakespeare made up words. I thought, why can't I? <laughs> now, I know I'm not exactly in the same league as him, but it's something that I enjoy doing, and it, it really is great fun. So, I, I mean, I usually think of them in advance, though, and then just find places to put them in. Mm, I, I found that fascinating. I know that, um, you know, Lord of the Rings has its own language, and to a large extent, Harry Potter has has its own language, yeah. and, and it, it's really a, a, another way to sort of draw you into the book. And now I've had a few students read the book, and they'll walk around, and they use some of the, the phrases, and I, I chuckle when they do. It's, it's very, it's, it makes the book endearing, and it makes you feel like you're sort of in on something yeah. that somebody else doesn't know anything about. So, And the food choices. Now, that, that was something that was really interesting. You're a teenage boy, so food is a huge, important thing in your life. I cannot imagine 
eating mosquito wings, but the way you yeah. described them, it was it was fascinating. How did you come up with what these people eat? Because they don't eat what we eat. <laughs> no. Um, well, I actually had a book of rare words um, that I, I found in this shop, and it's from that that I got a few of the food ideas, like the mosquito wings. The word was gallinipper, and I thought, oh, I've got to, got to put that in somewhere. And uh, the, the Ningwid Ichthyarchic Arrangement translation, freezing seafood. Um, but some of them were just totally my own ideas, like camel's tail and bluebell cheese, just things you'd really not expect to eat. Uh, most writers feel like there have been people that have influenced them. Who are some of your, who, who are some of your favorite writers that may have influenced you along the way? Well, I love classics, so I would say Charles Dickens has probably influenced me most. He's my favorite novelist, and I like that Victorian style of writing. Not that I copy it very faithfully. Um, and I think J.K. Rowling's probably come closest to matching his art of plot writing and the sort of the crafting of stories. I think a lot of modern writing has become so minimalist, so stark, and I think it's really missing out on a lot. And I also enjoyed um, C.S. Lewis a lot, which obviously has the, the Christian message of self-sacrifice. And I think it's those difficult decisions and the sort of ha- harsh realities which, which really make books interesting. Good. Um, you've told me that you're a fan of Harry Potter. What is your favorite Harry Potter book? Um, well, I've, I've read them all. Um, but I, I would say my favorite would be book six um, because it, it was just so shocking, really. Um, but I, I also really enjoyed book five. Um, book four, I've actually not quite finished um, because... I bought it on the day it came out and everything, and um, I, I just gave up three quarters of the way through because I just felt it was a bit too planned for me. I mean, there was the Triwizard Tournament, and each task would come along. And I, I think I prefer, you know, surprises, twists and turns in the story, um, which is why I like the first three much more, although I, I really think I should go back to it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seventh Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, mm-hmm. will be out um well, we don't know when it'll be out, but we know the title. Or hopefully yeah. it'll be out soon. Do you have any predictions for the book? Well, I have to say I'm a supporter of the theory that Harry is the final Horcrux. Um, that Voldemort mistakenly, or deliberately, left a piece of himself in Harry when he tried to kill him. So that would mean Harry would have to die in order for Voldemort to be completely defeated. So maybe he'll find out and sacrifice himself for everyone else's sake. And again, that would be a bit of Christian symbolism, I suppose. Or, or Harry lets Voldemort finally kill him, but in the process, the Dark Lord kills himself unwittingly. Or, or uh, of course, he, he could finally defeat Voldemort, but die himself in the process. So I hope I'm wrong, and, you know, I probably am, because I'm not really very good at divination. But you never know. Yes, most of us do not have the inner eye. No. <laughs> uh, going back to the sacrifice, Sophia's in your novel... Mm-hmm is very wise and protective, and he makes a very difficult decision at the end of the book. I don't want to give it away. I'm just going to leave it at that. Did you find that it's hard to write? Well, he's the great figure of good in the story, the real moral figurehead. So it was difficult to face up to the kind of decision he had to make and to write the kind of ending that I did. Um, But in the end, he he really had to do what he had to do, uh, no matter what what that meant. Um, but was it ethical what he did? Well, that all depends on what really happened, doesn't it? But uh, I won't give any, I won't give away, give away any more than that. So. No, we don't want to give it away. And I find that interesting, and I, I wanted to mix that in with uh, a little bit of our discussion on Harry Potter because mm-hmm. 
I know that Joe said it was difficult for her to write the death of Sirius. And I, I wonder what it would be like for her to sit down and have to write the death of other major characters and this book. We know she said that two people are going to die. Yeah. Um, if you're attached to a character, I wonder, you know, and I can't imagine that you're not attached to the characters. What is it like to write something that you know would hurt the character or that the character would have to make that same moral decision that Sophia's had to make? Was that difficult for you to write when Sophia's had to make that decision? Yeah, I mean, it was hard to write, but I suppose if you've planned it, uh, you know, right from the beginning, then it does make it easier. Um, so, so you know what you're working towards. Um, but yeah, you do become attached to the characters, and, and so it is difficult to, to um, you know, not to sort of empathize with them. Mm-hmm. And in Half-Blood Prince, Snape has to kill Dumbledore, or kills Dumbledore for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of speculation about Snape and Dumbledore, and that maybe they had a vow to keep Harry alive no matter what. Do you have any opinion on Snape's real reason for killing Dumbledore? Well, I mean, I think the vow thing could be right, but I don't really know if there's much evidence for it, is there? I mean, I just think Snape killed Dumbledore to fulfill his unbreakable vow um, regarding Malfoy, and it was either him or Dumbledore, and and he was basically a, a coward. But I know that doesn't really give much weight to Dumbledore's repeated trust in Snape, so, you know, maybe there is something deeper in that. I I really don't know. I've read um, several reviews of your book, and your book is being called The Next Harry Potter, mainly because of the depth of characterization and because um, it kind of has that that feel to it that when you've read mm-hmm. it, you want more. Knowing the popularity of Rowling and of her hero, how does it make you feel to hear people say that about you and your novel? Well, I mean, it's very flattering, but um, I mean, it's quite... A- an honor to be compared in that way, to be compared to the the greatest storyteller of our age. It's, it is gratifying, but I hope it doesn't make my head too big. Oh, I'm sure that it, it wouldn't. That uh, it, it would be quite, I, I would think, quite an honor to be compared to her that way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me. That's all right. And uh, the book, Beyond the Mist, as I said, is available on Amazon.com. And you can also go to our cauldron shop if you would like to purchase it. It is an awesome read. I know I read it and several of my students have and have really enjoyed it. Thank you, Fergus. Thank you. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums featuring Steve Vander Ark from the Harry Potter Lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And we're back with Conan Conundrums. 74. Yay! Conan. Yay! Hey guys, signs of life. Thunderous applause. And there was great rejoicing. Everybody's so excited. (laughs) Yay. Well, Stu Stu had to step out and check the cookies she's making. Stu, uh, eternally making cookies. There's always cookies going on in the the Stu household. (laughs) Yes. Well, Jason and uh, Steve. Of course, arrived just a second ago into the Pottercast studios for the I segment. Be so more welcome, than... guys. Squee. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, got some squee. serious squeeage to make up for there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She is in the green room kitchen making the 
powder cast cookies. Mm-hmm. Mm, Sounds smells good. good. Okay. But um, what will we be talking about in this kind of conundrum 74 that I've been looking forward to all week? Let's talk about Snape. Ooh. Seriously. Yes, we don't Snape. ever talk about We never about talk about Snape. Snape. Novel idea. No one talks about him. We really, really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually, actually, for him being the canon conundrum, we talk about him surprisingly little in canon conundrums. Well, see, my question is, does anybody actually keep track of, you know, what we talked about? Because, I mean, maybe we have already, but maybe everybody has forgotten, you know? If we don't remember, then nobody else remembers. There you go. Yeah. Somebody needs to make a Pottercast lexicon. Yes. Why aren't we in the lexicon yet, Steve? I think we need our own section. All of your resources. Well, actually, you know, we do have the... All lexicon's resources. We do have the Muggle Encyclopedia, which lists all the actors and all that kind of stuff. We should really have Pottercast in there and Mugglecast and all those things and the people's names that are in it and everything. It should all be in there. So, yeah, it's a good idea. Ah, we don't matter next to those people. Because, you know, I got nothing else to do, so. I know. Divert all your resources to the only thing that's important right now. Oh, my goodness. All the great, incredible things we're working on right now. you've been sleeping like three hours a night. (laughs) What about Snape are we talking about here? Okay, here's here's one. All right. All right. What what do we think Snape, Snape's Bogart and and his Patronus are? Now, Joe said that it yes. would give away so much information that it's important. Right. It's very yes. important. Bogart and Patronus is important or just... Well, she was asked the question what they would both be, and she said and she said it would give away so much information that she couldn't answer the question. Uh, okay, right. Okay. Which isn't too surprising. No. You know, it's interesting. I just have to say that it, in writing, it's very important to show your what your characters fear most and what they want most. Mm-hmm. And she was just so clever... Mm-hmm about this the you know the bogart being what you fear most is a very simple and quick manifestation of that mm-hmm. the patronus isn't what you want most but it's what prote- what is your protector or, or something about your personality and then the mirror rivera said tells you what you want most it's just these very clever devices well, not only that but it comes from yeah. this the source of a patronus's happiness so no, I right. mean, it's a happy memory, it's a source, but the, the manifestation, but, but we're talking about what the manifestation of Snape's Patronus is, which is different. Right. I mean, the source of Harry's happiness right. isn't, a, patro- isn't sure. a stag, you know? No, no, right. But there is a, but I guess now that you bring that up, though, if you think about it, Harry's Patronus is a stag, which is certainly a, an important emotional, psychological I- right. image for him so then we can assume that that can we assume that it's true of everybody's patronus that it's a that it's an important psychological image no i don't think so well hermione has an otter yeah yeah some of the ones we've learned about don't seem on the surface like the swan that cho makes i mean i don't know if that you know maybe you could say that maybe there's some reason but swans make cho really very apparent. happy and, and what about Ron's was like a little dog or something? I love that Ron's right. is a little it's a, dog. It's a Jack Russell. Well, it's a, it's a, a little yip yip dog that's isn't going it? to yeah. the Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Yeah. Jack Russell. But the little yeah. yip yip dog right, that's exactly. going to yeah. chase the Dementors away. Oh, I love yeah. it. I want that fan <laughs> art. And that doesn't the Jack seem Russell to, Terrier Patronus you know, chasing the Dementors away. <laughs> Somebody do it, please. <laughs> you know, the, just 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 a side note though. I mean, do you get to do you like work on the on the spell and like you spend ages learning to do this great spell and then you're going to do the spell and you do it for the first time and what if you get a really dumb animal? <laughs> Wouldn't that be embarrassing? For real, you know, isn't it like the same kind of thing? Yeah. Like when you're learning how to be like an animagus, and you and yeah. like you can't control what animal you're into. It. It's like you practice right. so long and hard <laughs> on that transfiguration, and bam, 
You're a turtle. You're a turtle. That's <laughs> what Joe said. She was always afraid that she would put transform into a sea all slug. that effort into yeah. it, and she'd end up a cockroach. She a said it would be horribly one. embarrassing. And there, you, there you'd stand yeah. as a turtle or a cockroach, going, "Oh no, oh I don't believe this." <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to tell him. Flesh eating slug. So then, is Snape's yeah. Snape's uh, you know Patronus? Is it like a is it is it like a you know penguin or something? <laughs> Snape's Patronus the penguin, penguin. <laughs> the waddling after the Dementors I'm sorry here we go again so what is it uh, what, what do we uh, what do we think Bogart what's he afraid of oh so are we is, is the idea then that if we know what he's afraid of we would know if he was good or if he was bad see the idea I that yeah that... I mean you're gonna you're gonna know if he's good or bad based on what he's afraid of you know right or you're going to know his motivations yeah. based on what he's or at afraid least of. It so would it's give really some hint. Yeah. unanswerable without answering the the Snape question, mm-hmm. the big Snape mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, it's like if he's if he's good, would his bogger be like Voldemort being like, "Aha! I caught you. I know the truth. Now I'm going to hurt you with something." Or would it be Dumbledore being, "Aha! I know the truth. You're not good. You're bad <laughs> Snape. Mm-hmm. Bad Snape." And he's looking disappointed and sad. Maybe uh, his. Bogart is something more personal, like, you know, I don't want to say like less significant, but, you know, not like which side will win, but, you know, it might have to do with, you know, one individual like Harry or, you know, or Dumbledore or someone like that or, uh-huh. you know. Lily. Uh, you know, it's like harm coming to them. Or, yeah. Or Lily, like, you know, or him like failing them or, you, you know, know, it's I, funny. I don't, I don't even, I don't even imagine him being afraid like Stape, of something. I'm sure is afraid of. Of what? Yeah, I mean, like he's, you know, he's he's very conscious, like of not being, you know, found mm-hmm. out. Well, that's okay. Or you Ranted. know, I don't know, like not having anyone really know what he's up to. Right. But you know, I, I think what he fears most are like sort of deeper feelings, like you know, people getting too close, almost like you know when he mm-hmm. rails at uh, at Tonks about you know how like her Patronus shows that she's weak right. because it like kind of um, betrays like her feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I'm getting on the Patronus now when we're talking right. about Bogart, but right. still, you know, it's, they kind of all tied up together. Like it's, he, he doesn't like people to know like what, what is most important to him because they can use it against him. He's probably learned that from Voldemort if he didn't know it already. And of course we know what, what Snape's worst memory is. Does that connect up somehow? You know, humiliation. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Like that's just the title that that's true. Right? Yeah, we don't. I guess we don't I mean, technically know is that, that really it's his, his worst, worst memory? memory, but but it gives us an insight into <laughs> but yeah, what, I mean, what is he was... so afraid of or so embarrassed yeah. of or what is it? What made him take that thought out of his mind? Out of yeah. all the thoughts I that he would have Snape, had to do that with, right? I think Snape's um, biggest fear that we've seen throughout the books and we can identify is vulnerability and cowardice. So I would mm-hmm. think that yeah. his bogart would be something that could turn him into that or something or showing him as that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what that would be, but mm-hmm. no, right. But, but that's, I think you're right. If you look at, at the Snape's first memory chapter, for example, or, or at the end of, you know, running out of Hogwarts and Harry calls him a coward and you know, that, that flips him out more than anything else. He finally loses it at that point. Look at this position that he's put himself in, whether or not he's good or evil. He has played two one of two gigantic sides or both both sides so against each other that we having that third person or limited third person view still can't figure it out so he's playing these people against each other just so that he's not vulnerable it's sort of amazing the lens that he's taken to protect himself and to protect himself Uh from being taken advantage of 
So, it's, again, I agree with you, I Melissa. Think, it's kind of hard to guess, okay, what would the Patronus be out of that, or what would the Bogart yeah. be out of that? Well, the Bogart, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what, what, what it would manifest yeah. as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hard question. <laughs> like, all these ideas are very... I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of liking the penguin idea myself, but okay. Penguins are brave. <laughs> well, for the Boggart or Patronus or both? <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep well, seated fear of penguins. I'm very happy with a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's interesting funny if it was with the so how in book, in, uh, in book three, we see all these things happening. Uh-huh. Um, and the lesson with Lupin, with all the things that the kids are afraid mm-hmm. of, like you know, spiders mm-hmm. and, and Jack in the Box, or whatever the hell it mm-hmm. is. And then in book five, you see Molly's Bogart, and it's, you know, something so personal. It's, you know, it's like her family. Right. It, and uh, you, you suppose that the that, that kind of shows us that the Bogart changes as people's lives change? It makes sense, I guess. Yeah. they It, has, it had to have for her kids to be in it. Right. I mean, they're going to be afraid of, of fright, fright, you know, scary movie kinds of things. But then when they get to be adults, you know, when you're an adult, you're, you're yeah. more afraid of, you know, your family being in danger. Things like that is, is a true fear. I wonder if an Occlumens, like mm. that same sort of power and skill could like keep a Bogart from being able to detect like their deepest fear. If you could kind of trick the Bogart yeah. a little bit. Maybe a skilled Occlumens could find out what a Bogart looks like. That's possible. You know, I'll well, just say that no one has ever, ever seen the true form of a Bogart Except though, Moody. because it always changes depending on. So there's a popular yeah. there's a popular theory that Moody knows what. Well, we don't know, but there's a popular theory that Moody knows what one looks like because right. he rolled because his eye up and and, and mm, saw it right. in the in the place. In the, it could have turned in into something when he looked at it. It could have felt it on him on him. Yeah, he's still but looking still, at it. But know? it might. But right, it might have turned into something. We don't know that he knows what its full, you know, yeah. what its true right. form is. Not that it matters, really. I think we yeah. can assume that a, that a bogger is not like totally a, you know, it doesn't operate by scientific rules. It it knows that it's being looked at because that's what a bogger is. Yeah. 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 I mean, does it exist like apart from? It won't even have a shape yeah. otherwise. It's kind of like a tree falls in the forest. Like if there's no one around to like, <laughs> exactly interact the other with trees the bogger, doesn't really it. exist at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you know, just be like this wispy. Do you know thing. what I'm curious about? the the member The other members of the order would definitely have seen Snape's Patronus, right? And that is a very telling statement about a person that I don't think you can fake. Yeah, exactly. So huh. they might have some. Well, proof. Yeah, because they use the Patronuses to yeah. communicate yeah. with yeah. each other. I mean, what if he's just always avoided using it somehow? It's, possible. it's a very but vulnerable. I thing. imagine that that's not possible. He's, it's a penguin, and he just doesn't like it when people snicker. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, if they use these Patronuses to communicate with each other, it's got to be... You know, what if someone has a very slow Patronus, you know? Like a penguin or a turtle or Sloth. a flubber worm. I mean, it'd be very <laughs> poor <laughs> communication. Come the on, battle's Pokey. all done. Here we comes the turtle walking up. The well. There's going to yeah, be a exactly. fight. Yeah. <laughs> this is my protector. <laughs> Just uh, don't don't walk around yeah. him, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well... I guess, I don't know, like, I would imagine that because a Patronus is meant to be right. some sort of protector, they probably well, unless have it can, to be sort of capable. The, the Patronus can shape-shift from its corporal form to its, you know, wispy kind of form, and it can travel yeah, as fast I would as think, it needs to in the wispy form. Like, even Ron's 
you know, like yeah. a little dog doesn't seem fierce or anything, but I bet it can kind of like fly around. Yeah, because yeah, my bigger. impression from... I mean, what if you have to contact somebody who's in right. like a, an upstairs area of somewhere, like the little dog can't jump yeah. up, you know... My, my impression from, 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 is from Prisoner of Azkaban is that they yeah. move... They don't really touch the... Uh, my impression of that stags... Yeah, they that, don't really touch the it ground. It kind of floats across yeah, the ground. Yeah, kind of... But, uh, but you're right. I mean, a Jack Russell Terrier or a Krupp, I guess, is not going to be a particularly scary or or intimidating or triumphant-looking no. Patronus. Well, I guess neither would a swan, I guess, or a, or a, or an otter, but... Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, the otter. I would love I to see the otter fighting the a power. Mm-hmm. You know, but I bet yeah. in a situation... Oh, well, you know, on the other hand, I've seen Holy Grail, and that killer rabbit is... Lover. Well, killer... So, you know, yeah. the, he's well, I mean, I don't even know so much if Dementors can even recognize physical shapes right. anyway, as much as they sense mm-hmm. that the presence of mm-hmm. a soul or sense the presence of a Patronus. Of a Patronus. So it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what it looks well, like I to think, them. I think you're right. It's, I think the Patronus's uh, form is incidental to its function. It's, it's an interesting yeah, manifestation right. from the person, but a Patronus is going to do what a Patronus yeah. does. It's, like, it's not like an Animagus right. where... They're actually like when right. they're in that form, they're limited right. to like whatever so, that yeah. animal can the do. The question of what Snape's Boggart and Patronus are. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're just so far. People, everybody listening knows what a Boggart and Patronus <laughs> is. They have their own ideas, and it's not the focus of this. You know, of of, of this. But ours are right, ours are right. <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> so Snape's Boggart, what's he? What he's afraid of, man. You know, in the in in the, it doesn't have to be like a like a. It can be kind of a thing. It, it, that's where it really gets wide open. But I think... Yeah, like a situation. Like Hermione is like McGonagall yeah. telling her something so, specific. So him being found out would make sense by whichever side, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Or somehow, you know, being utterly humiliated in front of who? Staff? Students? Uh, you know? Again, I'm latching kind of back onto uh, the, onto the maybe, worst memory thing. But. Yeah. I mean, it could be a I bunch think of things kids like where he's laughing at him for mm-hmm. God's sake. <laughs> I think it would have yeah, been in really. that memory. But. Him hanging upside down, his yeah. gray underwear. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, like, in addition to what we've kind of said, you know, he doesn't like to be humiliated or like be thought of as a coward. I think he doesn't. I get the feeling that he hates being like unappreciated for like what he does if he is. You yeah, know, that's a good idea. I don't know. I get the, mm-hmm. you know, I guess because I kind of think that he's, he is, um, you know, on the order's side, and that he hates the fact that like nobody thinks, like nobody realizes what horrible things right. he has to do and how like hard he right. works. And I think that really sure. rankles him. And like when he almost got the, what was that, like Order of Merlin or something, and then it got taken away, and he was so oh, yeah, that's that right, and, like flipped out. You know, I forgot about that. That's I true. mean, I think you know, obviously there was a lot going on because he was also just like. You know, he was seeing like these other people that he hated and wanted to get even mm-hmm. with. But I think, in addition to that, you know, it was like this like tantalizing hint that he was getting some kind of mm-hmm. recognition, and then right. it was taken away. Well, he really lost it at that point too. I mean, that's another one of those places where he, yeah, I think it's kind of telling that that would be something that would he, he would be actually excited about and dis- disappointed about to, to lose yeah. the fact that it's an <laughs> it's award that you know the ministry gives. To people who do good and who, do, and who help I'm muggles, sure sad little Snape, like specifically also, that order fear, of putting it on maybe his, his shelf. Maybe, maybe his big fear is that his life will go unremarked, that he will gain no appreciation mm. of what he's done mm. on either side, whether he's yeah. good or bad. Yeah, I guess right. it could be like Whatever his gravestone and like nobody there. 
It kind of fits the fits the yeah. the profile. Kind of fits the picture of this person. I know a lot of people who will go and visit it. <laughs> yeah, well, the scenarios of the world. <laughs> okay, oh. Patronus. So have we have we answered it? Patronus, Patronus is tough. Oh, I didn't. Well, we don't. I don't know about answer. I don't know that we've well, answered I, it, but I'm not going to give our Patronus. Patronus is, I'm, I'm big on the, though, on the penguin like, idea. Like but. we said, it's What's he could keep it a secret from the rest of the order. He could not keep it a secret. And so, so I don't know how it could be a telling thing for anybody. Well, maybe uh, other people just don't think to look at it. Uh, you know, nobody. I mean, I mean we've all Do you all think it's possible that he hasn't had to use it? No, I don't know. Maybe not. It's possible. Well, then again, they all used it really most intensely during the last war, and he only came into mm-hmm. that group at the end of the last war, and really not even until it was almost over. Yeah. And then they really have been dormant, and he's been near Dumbledore. So, what has he really had to do? So maybe he hasn't right. used it. But right. No, I mean in Phoenix, then remember Dumbledore saying how you know, it's like you should have contacted the Order if you wanted to figure things out with with Snape, or uh, should have asked Snape because Snape has ways to communicate with the Order a lot faster than any flu network. So obviously that says that Snape has you know is in this in the, the loop of the people that use the patronuses mm-hmm. to communicate with each other well here's my yeah. i mean if if we as as people quote unquote observing all these events have questioned whether snape was doing was acting on dumbledore's orders and none of the other order members or harry or anyone so far have questioned that it's possible they also miss the significance of his patronus as well mm-hmm. yeah that's true but, but what is it then it would have to be Something, is a snake too obvious? Yeah. I mean, it it couldn't be like something so obvious, unless it's something that would be obvious to us because of information we have that other order right, members. What if it's don't. Dumbledore? <laughs> is this Patronus? You know, can your Patronus like be a person? I don't know. <laughs> I was wondering about that. What if it was Harry? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be know. almost as embarrassing as a penguin, <laughs> wouldn't it? How much would that piss off Snape? Like yeah. a little Harry going around like beating uh, off the Dementors for him. Well, who has protected no. Snape? It could be Dumbledore. <laughs> Honestly, it could be a phoenix. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what people have oh, said. I don't know. I, I think that I and think Dumbledore's the only one with a phoenix. Don't you think that would be? Do we know if yeah. Dumbledore's Patronus is a phoenix, or well, was Dumbledore a, one of the other characters that Joe couldn't that it, give us information of? All, all we heard was that it was a ghostly bird. It's like a bird, it's a bird, and Which I think it's logical that phoenix, it was a but, yeah. yeah, a phoenix. Yeah, yeah. See, we all but say is, that. Is so this one that Joe said that? Didn't Joe say that she couldn't tell us about Dumbledore's Bogart or Patronus? I think we too, asked Bogart, but not just, Patronus. Was just Snape? I think we asked Bogart about Dumbledore, but not Patronus. And Erised, too? I think no? people already Arisad, kind of Bogart and Erised. Boy, this is a, mm. this nice little list of mm. everybody's got their Erised image, their Bogart, their Patronus, their... It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it tells you a lot about each character. It's almost, it's almost like yes, a fact sheet. Okay, what about, like... The Snape Lily theory, like, is there anything about Lily that could relate to his Patronus that would be sort of a giveaway for those that would know? Was Lily an animagus? Not that we no. know of. Not that I we never heard any knowledge of that. that. Not that yeah, we know of. I don't think so. No, because the whole time when they were cool when they were getting them, turning themselves into animagi, she wasn't. <laughs> sna- she wasn't keen on James yet. That wasn't until seventh year that she found that she started going right. out with him. So. Even still, even then, I doubt if she would have been running around right. with those guys. But um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what that's... about the, the school that the Patronus isn't isn't somebody that's protected you, but just says something about your character? Then Snape. what can we right. assign right. to Snape? 
Right. It's sort of like I mean, the Demon from the Pokemon different series. Sort of snake sounds like a snake to me. Or a bat. Hey, can we just do bat? Something that would... I thought it could have been a bat. Yeah. I think everybody thinks it could have been a bat. He's I mean, called, it's something that reveals something bat. about their character. Yeah, he's called a bat so much. Oh, that was uniquely my theory. No yeah, one else no one else shot. What about, like, a, an acromantula? <laughs> oh, that'd be cool, though. If it's like, <laughs> what's his name? Aragog running around with his, all his eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a, he's a, no, no matter which. I mean, a lot side, of people compare Snape to spiders. He's deceptive, so no matter which side he's on, his Patronus, yeah. I think, if, if his Patronus is something that characterizes him, would be an animal practicing deception. A snake would be so mm-hmm. cool. <clears throat> Maybe his Patronus is a boggart. <laughs> his boggart is his Patronus. Oh, <laughs> that's a little. Oh, Inversion okay. theory. Now my brain hurts. Jason. <laughs> and then I looked in a mirror, and then another mirror was behind it, and, okay. and everything exploded. Very tricksy. Okay. Yeah, I, I like now that. I'm kind of freaking um, out, guys. About something kind of yeah. shape shifty, and <laughs> which is why I thought of Boggart. But in book three, he gets up and leaves the room when he hears there's going to be a Boggart uh, lesson. Which you demonstration. Know, yeah. I'd think that a spy might want to know that that information. About Harry, about anyone. Mm. Either it was Joe getting him out of the room because it would be too much information, or it was Snape just just really not caring. Or Snape not wanting to show anybody what his his boggart is. That's really interesting. Maybe. I mean, but he wouldn't necessarily think that. Because, I mean, even Lupin, like, his didn't show up until he... Like right. it, you know, kind of stepped in the way. Anything could happen. I mean, you just want to so, get yourself out of dodge. You know? Yeah, I guess you want to be safe. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure Snape wouldn't want like anyone to see his bog art, no matter what it was. I think you're right because you know, he's just he's yeah. Snape. Like, yeah, he well, plays everything adult, real close it's a vulnerable, to his chest. It's more vulnerable thing. It's just you know, it's as for any adult, it, your your fears have sort of cemented. Whereas, like you said, Steve, mm-hmm. when you're a yeah. kid, it's the gory mm-hmm. thing that's coming out of the closet to eat you. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just one thing. It, well, yeah, this is too off topic. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're not off topic because we all. never we never go off. I topic just wonder, there, like Jason. you know, right? Well, like it seems like everybody knew what their boggart was going to be, and I just wonder, like, if it just you know, if is that really their deepest fear, or is the boggart just sort of like seeing what they think, like what they're thinking about at the moment? You know, like because uh-huh. they're yeah, there's they're sort of focusing on on what they think they're afraid of, so the boggart. Yeah kind of grabs that. So if someone didn't know what a bugger was and looked at it without their worst fear in mind, they wouldn't see their well, worst yeah, fear? Like if they were thinking about like a sandwich, it doesn't see a seem sandwich. like it would work. <laughs> so then, yeah. so then if Lupin, if Lupin wouldn't have told the bugger. kids, okay, think what your worst fear is. <laughs> it's yeah. basically saying, okay, now we know it's... It wouldn't be yeah, funny if Lupin said, kind of- this thing will show you the thing that you love the most and they'll get all excited <laughs> and they'll look at it and they'll get scared yeah. to pieces. Mm. That'd be the funniest lesson like, ever. See, if I was Snape, that's what I'd do. I just, I I'd don't know, fake like, people if I were Snape, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would know. Yeah. Like, does he know what his worst fear is? I mean, I think that's hard for people to decide on. And, it, you know, it seemed kind of easy for the kids because they're kids, I guess. They have sort of maybe simpler fears, but... My you know. bogart is... It's funny, strong. the part that I think is strange about <laughs> the bogarts is that... It, you know, supposedly looks however, whatever your worst mm-hmm. fear is. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the part where whoever's, cl- I guess, closest to it mm-hmm. is the form that it sees. Right. And how can other people see other people's bogarts? Yeah. Well, it has to, that's weird. I think say, it has to yeah, see you. Get the bogarts' attention. I don't understand. I think it has to see you. So then you. if that's the case, 
then how can Moody see a Bogart that's changed if the Bogart right. does not have Moody's attention? I don't think Maybe it has Moody to see you. I think it. It, I think it just senses the attention. See, what what happens Maybe. if you blindfold a Bogart? Then he wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blindfold a Bogart. <laughs> Put a pillowcase <laughs> over his head. Yeah. I don't know. That's the Bogart's Bogart. That's <laughs> the Bogart's Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> a blindfold. Itself. Yeah. Oh, oh, are we closing oh, on our final thoughts here? <laughs> I Boy, think I don't know, on some weird thought. final thoughts. We've gotten really sort of yeah. metaphysical. Penguin. Yeah, really? What is a, a Bogart's Bogart is a show note. Oh, man. There's another whole canon conundrum. Right? <laughs> <It's> Bogart's Bogart. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. when we do the parody edition. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we we doing our... So are we wrapping this thing up? Okay, who wants to start? I think that Snape Patronus is a... A moose. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I did not mean to scoff because at your answer there, Jen. Is a little, Let me spoil It's you. a little larger than a stag, <laughs> and the moose could probably take the stag, and that would make Snape very happy. Okay, well, that and actually so. makes some sense, John. You're scaring me. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm gonna go with a moose. Okay, big old antlers. <laughs> Intimidating too for the to old mentors. The moose. Uh, yes, it would be quite. Very little scarier um, than a I'm glowing guess, moose trotting at you. Yes, I'm going to guess his Bogart is a very, very happy Harry getting the Order of Merlin first class, shaking hands <laughs> with everybody else important, and just being the happiest Harry he could possibly be, and that would just totally tick off Snape. And scare the crap out of him because that's just one thing that would make Snape the most unhappy. Snape. Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna say that his Boggart is having his true intentions and all his essence just shown to people. I'm still trying to think how that would, mm-hmm. yeah, how that would mm-hmm. manifest. I think it's 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 him being very vulnerable. So I don't know. Exposed. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm. Tr- yeah, and I'm and I keep trying to think how Naked that would Snape. manifest. <laughs> Naked, Naked Snape. Snape. Let's please not put that in my choice on the poll. <laughs> you. Thank you. No, I need mental things. It's terrible. Oh God, it's awful. He would win. He would win. Um, I th- I mean I think I think it would be important people in his life having full comprehension of what he is. So maybe Dumbledore looking at him with full knowledge or. Voldemort looking at him with full knowledge. I think that would put him in a very, mm-hmm. in a very, yeah. you know, significant spot. Uh, as for Patronus, huh, I think I think I'm going to go with Snake. I like it. Snake, because he is a snake. Whether oh, no matter what side he's on, he's yeah. a snake. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, I think as Patronus, I'm, I'm going to go. I would love to say Penguin because I just think it's great fun. But I'm going to go Bat just because it just seems to fit. Maybe that's sort of a sort of an easy answer, but I just think that he's his his Patronus is going to be a bat. And then, uh, as far as the Bogart goes, wow, that's really tough. I, I, Melissa, I think you got You're on the right track there, but like you, I can't quite figure out what yeah, it would hard. actually be. I think that again, looking at the worst uh, memory thing, I think it's humiliation and uh, exposure of. You know, I think that's what it would be. You know, what it, what form that would take, I'm not quite sure, but I think it'd be mm. something along those lines. That seems the most the most in character for him. So, all right. Well, all right. we've been very conclusive. Well, I, Jason, 
What do you think, Melissa? Melissa already told me, what she thought. Me and Steve, yeah, no, 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 I'm saying me and Steve have been very, very concise and specific. Uh, I, I know, I'm <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, okay. That's right. We even actually almost yeah, agreed. Seriously. We don't usually do that. I don't know what I think his Patronus is, but I think it, you know, like we've sort of talked about it, it reveals his loyalty, like, in a somewhat obvious way. Maybe not even a way that we're aware of yet, but that, like, if we knew the Patronus beforehand, then as we were reading book seven, it would give away the ending too soon. Something... It's going to relate to like someone or some something that has happened before that he, you know, kind of is part of the reason why Dumbledore trusts him. I think I have no idea what that animal would be. I don't think it's a phoenix, but it's an interesting possibility. You think it's a um, moose? And it's Bogart. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a moose, but I think it should be. <laughs> oh, Bullwinkle. Honestly, I was being facetious when I said his Bogart would be his Patronus, but, you know, kind of along those lines, I mean, anything that his Bogart is, you know, much like what Melissa and Steve were saying, he doesn't want people to know his inner being, yeah, like right. his inner self. And so, mm -hmm. you know, just him being like sort of revealed and all his layers peeled away. That's not what he wants. Now you're getting, better. Now you're getting close to my Bogart. Good. Snape with all his layers peeled away. <laughs> there you go. That sounds That's like Melissa's much. naked snape. Yeah, the naked snape is split split pretty evenly among the fandom as either people's boggarts or their uh, mirrors of Erised. <laughs> I think you're right. Oh, Jason. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, we forgot to announce it last week, so at the end of this canon conundrums, I want to say congratulations to our own Jason who just got engaged. <gasps> Jason really? Guru is engaged. Well, congratulations. You. You'll get wow. married. <laughs> He's getting married. <laughs> Thanks. So just another. We shouldn't regular, all sound so surprised, should we? That's kind of rude. A regular. <laughs> and I, Charlie I guess and it's, Tonks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Is she yeah, a fan? It's pretty cool. Yeah, um, she's actually. Uh, well, it's a a leaky marriage, I guess. Oh, I, I didn't want to I, say I it. Well, you said it because I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't want. I was just wondering. I talked to her about it. I'm just hoping that hoping that you know she likes Harry Potter. Otherwise, you know. It's a leaky marriage. They live in the lounge. It's like yeah. this is the most <laughs> oh. appeals to my matchmaker yeah. inside. So. I'm just so happy. I oh. told him I had to be a bridesmaid. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, I'm gonna yeah, be the ring I mean, bearer. I'm gonna be I got the ring bearer. <laughs> Are you short and you yes. have hairy feet? And actually, I, I, I have a bear <laughs> Don't costume. Ask that question. The ring <laughs> hey, can we plan your wedding? <laughs> Oh my god! Um, hey, you know what I smell? I smell. <laughs> I smell these cookies about done here. I think yeah, Sue's probably up on her way up yeah, there. Good. I'll get, I'll get the milk. Rest of the show. Okay. Okay. Bye, guys. You're welcome to it. All right. Later, Take care. Boys. Bye. Later. And it's the end. Woohoo! Oh, it's the end. Is the end. Boom, 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 boom. That what was do we have to talk about? That was a little bit. Sue, how are the cookies? I have, you know what my favorite cookies are? Are oatmeal butterscotch. Oatmeal That's butterscotch? Is that what you made for us? Because I thought I it smelled butterscotch. I like them. They're really good. They're just, you know, not just your boring plain old oatmeal, but a little with butterscotch in it. Oh, it's wonderful. Yummy. I like oatmeal chocolate chip. Uh, yeah, but these, is, yeah, those are good. That's too. a little boring. Yeah. I just got to jazz it up a little bit. I actually do like I'm hungry. Uh, we know. Okay, speaking of cookies and... Well, <laughs> sort of. Uh, I want a, dozens of cookies sent to Phoenix Rising. Valentine's Day is attention coming. Attention me. 
Valentine's oh. Day is coming. Oh, it's my so least favorite holiday of the year. Mine too. So we're going to make it better by having a great themed podcast. Yes. We're going to do... Awesome. We want you... Here's Here, here are your marching orders. Uh-oh. You can send us filks, but only a very select few are going to get in. So make them good. Make them pretty. Romancy. Very pretty. We're taking one minute readings from romantic or funnily romantic fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Should be canon relationships, meaning from the books. Um, the best ones and the funniest ones might get read on the show. Yes. Make sure that you are either the author or that you have the author's permission to read their fan fiction on the show. If and we my find little out, 10-year-old cousin should not be uncomfortable listening to this. Right. And we're going to check. Selection. And if we find out that stuff, then it's not going to be read on the show. Um, so, please. <laughs> um, awesome. Here's another little challenge. Uh-oh. Write a Valentine to a character and leave it on a voicemail. Yes, means his eyes were as green as a fresh pickled dog. Just like that, and we'll play some of those. Also, if you have a love story from your life related to Harry Potter, tell it to our voicemail. Or you can do all the stuff to our email too. I'm going to tell you how to do that in a second. You know the, the love story thing. Um, we talked about this at the end of, of Ken and Conundrums, but. I'm not sure if it made it into the show. The love story thing comes from from a very specific... We have a, a leaky marriage happening. Jason, guru of sloth, who's saying, I yearn, yearn, yearn for a podcast. That guy. He met his future wife on our forum. Oh. And, yeah, so it's very And I'm going to be the ring bearer. Anyway, so to do any or all or one or three of those things... Skype us at username Pottercast and leave a message. Voicemail us at 702-42-53259. That's 702-42-LEAKY. 702-42-53259. In the UK, it's 020-7193-2872. Don't forget the plus. Or you can email us at staff at Pottercast.com, where the most predictable person ever, John Noe, might read it. Okay. Hey. 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 But I'm bum. Is our podcast witchy helper Chloe, who had a birthday today? Oh, right. happy birthday, Chloe! And happy birthday to Chloe! Jeff had his one. Our editor Jeff had one recently. Editor too. Jeff, very recent birthday. Happy birthday, Jeffy! Yeah. So let's go over that again. What we expect this week? Okay, Filks, if oh, you wow. like, if you got confidence that they're going to be as good, so good that we want them to be on the show. Filks, reminder: our song parodies, song parodies. So it should be a romantic song whose words have been changed to be Harry Pottery. You could do one-minute readings from a romantic or funny romantic fan fiction mm-hmm. of, that you have written or that you have gotten permission from the author to do. Uh, we're also asking you to write a valentine to a character. Or if you have a love story from your life related to Harry Potter, please tell it on our voicemail. What about a valentine to an actor or actress? Sure. Or to us? No. Not to us. <laughs> Don't Rat. That Was it shameless? Sorry. <laughs> Hey! That's the least. Sh- that's the least. I'll write one for you, Sue. Okay. okay, only for Sue. Okay, you can write one for me. <laughs> John gets enough. <laughs> I do not. Okay, we had a blog challenge this week. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, we didn't pick a winner yet, did we? No, but oh, they're slowly well, coming in though, and and I appreciate that people have been going out. They've actually really been going out there to their bookstores they and really have. We're gonna hold off on announcing the blog challenge winner. Yeah, we're gonna announce two winners next. Week. Yeah, two winners next week. The the blog challenge remains. 
Go to your bookstore. Ask them when the seventh book is coming out. If they give you any sort of answer, they're wrong. Tell them why they're wrong. Direct them to Leaky. Send them to our email boxes to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Bring a big bucket of sidewalk chalk and take it to their building and just start drawing on there. There is no release date for Harry Potter and the Deathly yeah. Hallows. And if anybody gives you a date, they're not only wrong, they're getting other people's hopes up and excited. And they're spreading misinformation and making our lives March 31st. Crazy. So we're sending you out in force. March 31st. Also, as a reminder, on our MySpace page, myspace.com slash podcast, if you friend us and you give and you let us know that you've done so and you've put us in your top friends, we will give you a shout out. Mm-hmm. So this week, some of our shout outs are from Amanda, Alectos, Dawning of Time, Danny, Sarah Kay, Fat Crazy Kid, Day, Clara V, who invited me to a Facebook group I'd like to forget, Wanless, Joel, Nana Genie, Mark, Frank the Tank, the Harry Potter Podcasters okay. Coalition, mm. interesting, Charles, Mario, Miss Murder, Marlon, and Joey, and Sue, why don't you do the others? We heard from Kayla, Christendor, hi, um, TJ, Tana Proma, K-Chan, Jessica, I Love Tom, Rach, Tazzy, Will, Treves, PCBF, hello, hi guys, I know who you are, Kimmers, Micah, you think it was, was it Micah? You think was it was it real really? Micah? <gasps> Is there Pan? another Micah? Maybe. If he asks for a shout out, I will laugh. I don't know. Off. Thanks, guys, for the shout-out. I'm going to check. You keep reading. I'm okay. going to check in the meeting. <laughs> and Jenerva Weasley, Jimbo, Katsuni Boy, Laura, Mim, Padfoot 2, a newfangled redhead, Paige, Pravy, Amy Lee, and Hannah. Woo! Yay! That's right. We're all there on MySpace. Shout-outs. I love the MySpace. Awesome. It's just been amazing. All the emails we get, all the comments, y'all rock. Wow. Cool. It's been a great week. Love coming. Great week. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the better Pottercast 74s we've done so far this <laughs> Wait, year. I'm, I'm still checking on the whole... The whole... Mike Tan did not email for a shout-out. Oh, I bet he did. <laughs> I'm just amused you think there's one Mike in the world. <laughs> anyway. Whether he did or not, I don't. I can't get into MySpace. We're, They're we're having... That he did. MySpace is having an unexpected difficulty. Oh, freaking MySpace. Yeah. Come on, MySpace. Program a better MySpace. All right, well... Pottercast 74. Oh, it's the end. It's the end. Just go, you're wasting time. Just go, you're wasting time. <laughs> oh, John. 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 Yes. I'm feeling Twice. very mistily. I'm missing something, John. They're called. <gasps> yeah, John, what's. Where? Oh. It's the last one of the month. The last week, you know, I was just. I had a mental block because I didn't want it to be the last time that I would ever grace the show. Oh, I'm sure it won't be the last time. <laughs> but I finally mastered my um, Luna Lovegood Ivana Lynch impression for everybody. I, I put in many hours of practice. I've received countless critique emails. And I think, I think let's play the um, actual clip here briefly. Go ahead. Nicole Testros. Yep, not bad, not bad, okay. <laughs> not bad. But the actual how you say it? Nicole Testros. That and sounded that like it? your best one so far, did That is it right there. That is how you call them Thestrals. <laughs> well, who's next? Perfect. Perfect. Who is next, I think, in the running so far for you to... Um, send in some feedback in uh, voting format. It will either be Madame Maxine. Yay! 
Barty Crouch Jr. Not Barty Crouch Jr. Barty Crouch Sr. No, he's boring. Don't do him. Or um, Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, gather round, gather round. He's one of my favorites. Love him. Love I him. think Gilderoy. That's what I think. Love. We'll have a poll. Hey, quick blog challenge update. I went to the podcast um, MySpace and a guy called Ron Stoppable left a message and I swear it's one of my favorites. He said, I went to our local plaza and checked out the Hole in the Wall bookstore and asked when the next HP novel will come out. They said that it's not known yet, which is the right answer. If I checked out these websites, JKR's and TLC's Addy, <laughs> that it'll hey. surely tell me exactly when. So a bookstore, instead of, so instead of the, the person going to the bookstore giving our address a person behind the counter said oh you should check this you should check this one i love it i love it i love the reverse psychology there thanks for unstoppable great story yes thank you Woohoo! yes it's cool i love it i love how the army is going out spreading the correct news that's right our own little potter cast army on i love it love it i should remind them the these stores that do tell them information correct like that do not take the sidewalk chalk and tag their store. Only do that to the stores that give you the bad Don't ever tag their store, okay? <laughs> the sidewalk chalk and say HP7 is not released. The re- there's no release date for HP7. That's what you say. And multicolored chalk. <laughs> on the sidewalk. Every letter. Uh-huh. Not on, on the their sidewalk. store. Okay? No, on the, the sidewalk, of course. And write leakynews.com on the bottom. <laughs> you know, no, up. actually don't. I don't want to get sued for... And johnnoe.com. Yeah, johnnoe.com, which is not working. <laughs> we'll be soon. We'll be soon. Alrighty, peoples. Shall we skadoodle? Right. Yes. I have time to skadoodles. Skadoodle. Okay. Send in all Skedaddle. your Valentine's Day Skedaddle. stuff. It'll be a one fun show. Just go! You're wasting time! Okay. Bye. Later, laters. Bye. The contest. Oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> welcome. Well, I can't even do Dumbledore. I want to do Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I want to go, welcome, welcome. But I can't do it like John can. John, you do it. Silence. Silence. Okay, I'm starting really. That's what the ma- that's how the mess sounds. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> this is like, like, like Yogi Bear or something. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Yoda for gosh sakes. <laughs> what happened? Welcome, welcome. Okay. All right. Thanks for the outtake. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. Can I laugh now? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. But when? Oh god. <laughs> I had to bury my face in my robe. <laughs> it's such an exciting thing to but read. I snorted and I heard you I heard you laugh. It's ridiculous. Check about when? But when? When? <laughs> uh, okay. Ooh, no. Okay.